3: Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, welcome to another week of One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And Steve, you know, no matter how old you are, you can always learn something. And I learned something this weekend. I learned what the word jabroni means. (laughs) What does it mean? Uh, Definition. Okay, are you ready? Mm -hmm. Jabroni. A foolish or contemptible person. Get it together, you jabronis, is an example. (laughs) Um, So I was happy to learn that one Travis Kelsey, who I know in these parts, is not exactly the most popular guy for obvious reasons. He unceremoniously ended the Bills' 2021 run to the Super Bowl in the divisional round with an overtime-winning touchdown and has carved up Buffalo's defense in the playoffs. But it was hard not to chuckle when uh, he called out the mayor of Cincinnati, who, for those who did not know, going into the game, said he wanted Patrick Mahomes to take a t- paternity test because Joe Burrow was his daddy. Oof. Um, <clears throat> so as Travis Kelsey was raising the AFC championship trophy, the Lamar Hunt trophy, on the stage after their 23-20 win over said Cincinnati Bengals, uh, Travis Kelsey had the following to offer to all Bengals fans. Do we have that?
2: Hey, I got some wise words for that Cincinnati mayor. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni.
1: You got to fight for your right. Somebody!
3: And then he, yeah, then he quotes the Beastie Boys. So you know, guy's got a whole
4: new status in my book. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, I, listen, Cincinnati. It's, it, it, we say we win as a team, you lose as a team. Man, all of the city, the mayor, all the way down through the football team, every, everybody. Every, that was a team loss right there. I was uh, For Cincinnati, oh my goodness. These are days
3: when the internet is undefeated, and on social media it is undefeated in a way that most cannot fathom. And, you know, if you're going to walk the walk, you better be prepared to deal with the consequences if you don't come out on the right end of a football game. And I don't know if I've seen Eli Apple gift as burnt toast more in my life on social media, the number 20 appearing on a piece of burnt toast several times over in his defense. He really didn't get burned in the game, um, although he did get toasted in the wild card playoff that Cincinnati ended up winning to Marcus Robinson. Got him to bite on a double move. But uh, yeah, man, you're going to smoke cigars in. Locker rooms after divisional playoff wins the next week. People are going to be coming for you if you don't wind up victorious the next week. And that's exactly what happened to him. And uh, I I really don't get what the whole Bengals shtick was the whole way. Like calling it Burrowhead Stadium. Like what what are you
4: doing? You're I mean only I, bringing it on yourself with that stuff. It's crazy. Now listen, they played well in the game. It was a close game, hard fought game. Kansas City controlled it from the outset, even though they couldn't put distance between themselves well, the and it, the Bengals.
3: The reason why is because half their roster got injured.
4: Well, plus they you know, a turnover at the wrong time, uh all of that stuff. Yeah. And injuries as well. I you know yet on the one hand going into the game you had to admire Cincinnati's swagger cuz they they didn't care. They were going to they were literally talking smack to the 1 seed Kansas City Chiefs a team who's played in the championship game 5 5 years in a row now. Yeah. They played in the championship game and they the challenger comes in talking smack. Now, you can say what you want about the AFC the Cincinnati Bengals went to the super bowl last year. All right. So if you But dist- they weren't they, but they were on the road. Yeah.
3: Well, they fi- they figured they won it on the road last year. And to me, this is what this is why Cincinnati was a victim of hubris here. You know? Just like Icarus flying a little too close to the sun. Uh, yeah. They, they've experienced zero adversity since they first qualified for the playoffs. Zero. You want to talk to me about your backup offensive lineman? Okay. I'll listen to that. Um, but they sailed through the postseason last year. They got two takeaways in every dang playoff game last year. That's how they got to the Super Bowl. I mean, Joe Burrow and the offense did some stuff, but they're getting second-half takeaways left and right all the way to the Super Bowl last year and even got a couple in the Super Bowl yep. um, and came close to winning that. So, you know, you, you go, you sail to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, you play a Bills team that's dealing with, like, PTSD, I'm not a mental health professional, but it wouldn't be surprised if that came into the equation. The first time you're on the field again with the Cincinnati Bengals in the playoffs, I, you can't tell me that those players aren't reminded of the last time they were on the field with the Cincinnati Bengals three weeks ago and that it did not impact them in the game. I think it did. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'm sticking, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Not using it as an excuse, I just think it's a matter of fact. Uh, And I think it did impact the way a lot of those guys played in the divisional playoff. That's in the rearview mirror. So bottom line of the point I'm trying to make here is Cincinnati has experienced very little hardship since they've become a playoff team last year and now this year. So it's about time they got a little dose of adversity and what the playoffs can dish out for you in terms of difficult things that you've got to stomach, figure out, and then get ready and come back again and hope you're a playoff team the next year. It's about time they had some adversity because they had none right. last
4: year. Did you and and you know, you listen to it and you see it on on the game. I mean I was obviously I was watching the game just like everybody else. Um at one point, the penal the penalties and stuff, and and you know, Twitter was going crazy with how you know how the officials were calling the game. I gotta tell you, I wasn't. I was like, eh, you know, that that doesn't seem wrong to me, right? I know in the I'm Eagles not, game, they I'm missed the officials. Miss I'm saying drop. the officials didn't do a bad job. the 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 passenger, the pass, uh, roughing the passer going out of bounds. Can you imagine if that was Joe Burrow going out of bounds and the it was and, unnecessary roughness. And the, he was a unnecessary runner by roughness. That. If that was any, it, you can't do that. You can't do that. No, and I a get this penalty too. Every every the game third of the down game. or the third down or the fourth down that was called back and they would stopped the play. They showed it on the they showed it on the yeah. replay. The official was running in from the back. Nobody end. heard him. That was nobody no. heard him. I get it. And you know, same thing. Um, holding calls. You can go back and forth. Oh my gosh, you can go back and forth with that every single game, every single snap. Um, it's crazy. Uh, so I didn't – you know, the Bengals can say what they want. Um, yeah. The Chiefs were in a better spot at the end of that game, and the Chiefs controlled play throughout that game.
3: I thought they deserved to win. I thought they played better start to finish than the Bengals did.
4: Yeah, and it was close. It, there's no question it was close. It was as close as it could possibly be and not going to OT. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying I didn't think – I'm – I'm having a hard time getting my mind around the, 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 offici- the officials the deciding that The Eagles-Niners game, game there were some it.
3: missed calls there. The Devontae Smith catch that yep. clearly hit the ground after the fact and was never reviewed by the Sky Judge or anybody else. They
4: were trying. Why do re- we have a
3: Sky Judge? If you're not going to be aggressive in helping the guys on the field get it right, why are you there? Well, they've only got so much time.
4: Understood, and they've got.
3: But they got every camera angle known to man. How do they gotta, not see that one?
4: Listen, you got to push buttons and get that stuff to roll back before you can look at it. Well, will have somebody and help then, this guy. And then, and I'll say this too: as a receiver, I saw that guy's. I saw Devontae get up. Saw the look on his face. Saw him give this signal, two fists together. I was like, I don't think he caught that. I don't think he caught that. You yes. gotta, you gotta throw the flag. Yeah, and I get it. You think, well, they're gonna they'll look at. It. I don't want to waste my challenge flag. You got to get that right because the next play is a touchdown. At the very least, call a timeout. It was give fourth them more time. down. Yeah. It was fourth down. You're off the field. Throw the challenge flag. Yeah, yeah. It's that, and they, you know, because that's setting is up first and goal. I I I thought that was a completely botched opportunity by San Francisco. Yeah, and I I was there's. When that guy gets up calling like that, now I say, I, I know, they could have it in their playbook, hey, if you make one of those catches and get up and do all that, hey, act like you get up and, and let's do it so we'll w- make them waste a timeout. Or we'll make them waste their challenge flag when you catch it. Yeah. Even if you catch it, get up going like, hey, we better hurry because I didn't really catch that. Make them throw their challenge flag. No. That ain't what happened there. That is not what happened yeah, He wasn't trying to dupe anybody because if he makes a catch like that in normal times and the guy calls it, he gets up and he's given the first down signal he's taking a knee and he's giving the little archer thing towards the end zone. he's doing all his celebrations. he didn't do any of that. He was like, let's hurry up and snap this because I did not catch it right You got it I mean come on that's that's body language 101. What are the, you know, the the San Francisco staff was dead at the wheel dead they were asleep at the switch, dead at the wheel asleep at the switch. On that. You've got to know that. Mm-hmm. And I – you've got – I mean, I don't know Especially why. on
3: fourth down. I mean, you're talking about a turnover down. on downs, That's, change of possession, points well, off the board. I thought that was
4: – that was a huge mystery. Now, I The way the game came out and all that, it's like eh, – It may well, not have made yeah, a difference. Yeah, it might not but, have made a difference. And I'm, I'm all about that. You can make that argument too. But the, early in the game when things are, you know, in doubt – because it took, it took Philly a long time to start scoring points. Yeah. And if you go into their building, you get up on them or, you know, do the things that – the the Niners were capable of doing before they're down to quarterback number eight or wherever it was, you know, they – got to think, Philly's going to start puckering up a little bit. I was
3: disappointed that the 49ers didn't go to pure and unadulterated street ball backyard football once you lost Josh Johnson to a concussion. Once that happened and Brock Purdy couldn't throw the ball more than five yards – that was the time to put Debo Samuel at quarterback who's at least a threat to throw the ball and just start drawing it up literally on the sideline. Here's the first play of the series, you know. You guys run the X, just don't hit each other. Right. You know what I mean? What, like yeah. you got to just well, you pull could... it all out of the bag. Debo, can you make that throw? Yeah. Okay, this is what we're going to call.
4: Right. I get it.
3: And if you if you got nobody open, start running. You know what and, I mean? Like that's what I would have done. These I mean, I know they put McCaffrey
4: in at the very end, but it was too late. It's I know it's social media. It's the world we live in. As soon as that happens, where Josh Johnson comes in, and all of a sudden he's out with a concussion, all over social media, it was just like when the Bills lost to the Chiefs, uh, and Josh didn't get a chance to have the ball in overtime. We got to change the rules. We got to change rules. We got to change it We got to have give them let them have an emergency quarterback on the roster. This, no, no, <laughs>
3: you don't. Those are circumstances that. No.
4: You don't change the rules because you got into a game that starts to turn ugly because one team couldn't handle right. it or had a bad whatever. Whatever the reason. Is it what the reason is?
3: Should have adjusted, and what I, that's what I would have done. Like You're already down, what was it, 21-7, 20, yeah. yeah. I mean, throw it. I mean, second half, all right, guys, we're really up a creek here, but here's what we're going to do. Remember when you were 10 years old and you dropped the play in the huddle? That's what we're doing here. Debo, you're the quarterback the rest of the way. If you don't have anybody open, you're going to be running. So receivers, everybody else, if you don't see the ball getting thrown, get ready to block downfield because Debo's coming behind you. Yeah. And, just and you know, maybe it doesn't work, but at least you can't tell me that they game plan for it. At least yeah. it's something that Philly hasn't seen. At least you can get a chance to
4: compete and throw the football. Maybe make in. a few
3: plays, score an unconventional touchdown, something. I mean, I'm not saying that San Fran wasn't trying. They were. But it was a fruitless pursuit, and it just – oh, my God, did it drag the game down. That thing was a snore fest by the time you got midway through the second quarter. It was terrible. I I mean, for all that your players put into the season, I thought that Kyle Shanahan should have just said, you know what? Whatever game plan we drew up this week is not going to work now because we don't have a quarterback playing the position anymore. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this instead. I really thought – you got nothing to lose. Nobody would have argued
4: with that. Right. You
3: got nothing to lose.
4: Yeah, it was and it really turned ugly and it'll give you an idea even a guy like Brock Purdy who you can say what you want a system quarterback and he was just a maintainer, a facilitator, all that. <laughs> the guy's pretty important still. I don't care how yeah. little how little you thought of Brock Purdy or anybody else. He was light years ahead of where Josh Johnson was and he wa- he gave him a chance. And dropping back and getting caught in the middle of his throwing arm, just a lot like Josh Allen had it's, you know, and then, you know, on the play where he got hurt, they thought it was an incomplete pass. Turns out it was a fumble. And the Eagles guy just, you know, kind of, you know, like going till after the whistle was, you know, just kind of hustled over, just kind of picked the ball up for a clear recovery. And they end up getting the ball because of that. Yeah. Because of that. Um, yeah, Brock, what, an, what a disappointing, sad, unfortunate. It's the
3: same kind of injury that
4: Josh and, had. Yeah, it's just, it's just a horrible way to have your season in, particularly for a guy like Brock Purdy. I mean, you know, it's hard not to. Oh, he do. was living the high life yeah. for about five weeks. And, and we were all in it with him, too, right? I mean, yeah. How long was this going to go? Let's see. Um, whether you liked him or not as a quarterback, where you thought it was going to last or not, it was a, an, a compelling story. And to have it in like that, it's like, oh, man.
3: And I think, you know, going into the Super Bowl now, I think the Eagles are like an early two-point favorite or something. The Eagles are proof of how good a football team can be when you have a top-five offensive line in the league and a top-five defensive line in the league. People can talk to me about the A.J. Brown trade for 100 days, and I don't give a crap about that. What I care about is how Philadelphia assembled an offensive line that is top five in the league and a defensive line that is top five in the league. They can go toe-to-toe with anybody on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And that's why Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate. Why? Because he's got running lanes to use and he's got time to throw. And their defense, oh, by the way, led the league in sacks. So... By a... a By a a significant margin. By a mile. Uh, So that is why they are the prohibitive favorite going into the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. And after watching that game yesterday, because I'll be honest with you, you know we're always working on Sundays, I had yet to see an Eagles game start to finish all season long. And I know that probably wasn't the best example in light of how shorthanded the Niners were after they had no quarterbacks left. But if you can dominate the Niners defensive line at the line of scrimmage, you're doing something right and they did that yesterday so i am amending my plans for the draft for the bills steve i am going o line in round 1 2 and 3 <laughs> i know that's ridiculous that's all but right i'm i'm using hyperbole to illustrate a point that i'm trying to make yeah i don't have a problem one that. of the main reasons that the eagles have been the best team in the league front to front to back is because of the players they have at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And is A.J. Brown a difference maker? Absolutely. He's 100% a dynamic playmaker. So is Devontae Smith. So is Dallas Goddard. I'm not saying they don't have it at the skill positions. They do. But the reason Miles Sanders looks like a world beater is because of the guys they got up front. And the reason Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate is because of the guys they have up front. That's where the, the the most important investments were made. And, I mean, the Eagles, you know how we talk about how the Bills rolled eight guys on the defensive line? The Eagles rolled ten! Yeah. They dressed ten guys for the defensive line to roll through. Like, Barnett is an old player. He's like 35 years old, but he only plays 20 snaps a game, and he's effective
4: because of it. Right. Yeah, and you look back and – you equate this to what we saw the Bills do and how they finished up the season, and and people are complaining about how they couldn't take advantage of a depleted Kansas City offensive line, Cincinnati, Cincinnati offensive line. I, the Bills' defensive line without Von Miller, without Jordan Phillips, and without DeQuan Jones,
0: was just as was just riddled. as injury riddled.
4: We didn't know that we didn't know that Jordan and DeQuan weren't going to play until late in the day. Well, Jordan Phillips played, but he was ineffective. He's one a one arm on defensive he's tackle. Having, he getting, he's getting his labor replaced. So or Rotator, fixed. Cuff. Rotator cuff fixed. So um, it was – yeah, it's – at this point of the season, more so not as much now as it had been in decades past, but now you do – when you get there and you get a roster put together like the Bills have, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Niners, the Eagles, and some others, uh, or even the Cowboys, you get some of these guys that have a roster put together that are really – pretty salty bunch, and the longer the season goes and you lose this guy, it's a little bit of a ripple effect, then you lose another guy, and then it's a bigger ripple effect, and all of a sudden you're not the same team as the season rolls on. and More and more you see it played out when the teams really who get to the playoffs who are really healthy and really playing well, and they just show up big time. It shows up. It shows up.
3: Uh, CBS Sports NFL Insider – Jonathan Jones is reporting that the league has informed all 32 clubs of what the 2023 salary cap will be. It will be $224.8 million, which was the estimate that I know Brandon Bean touched on. He said it would, he anticipated it to be somewhere in that range, and that leaves the bills over the cap. And I'm going to do my quick math here. They're going to be over by about 23 million dollars with who they have on their roster under contract as cap, of right now.
4: The cap went up 16.6 million this due to, to the big year. media
3: deals, the NFL and ticket deal.
4: Some some are anticipating. In 2024, it's going to spike again. This is a big—that's a big jump. It is a big jump because it's usually 10 to 12 million a year.
3: Now it's 16, which is good news for the bills. It means less cutting and right, you know, contract restructures and and everything else. Getting
4: out ahead of it, they're also saying it's going to spike again hard in 2024. It's going to be two years because of the COVID problems and you know how they—they're still not back to where they were expected to be. No, and they also borrowed from years like this. But then you know so it wouldn't instead of having the cap drop to 175 million they kept it up um they you know artificially inflated the cap to keep it up because what was going to happen was it was going to be chopped by another 25 million um so they didn't let that happen and n- they're still recovering from that too yeah. so when so somewhere between 22 23 million. Yeah, million over for the bills it's uh this is going to be how much, how much are they over? twenty? About 22. 22, yeah.
3: Yeah. So they've got work to do. It's going to inevitably involve contract restructures, probably some outright player releases, and some extensions to spread some money out or, you know, simple base salary to bonus, money in the player's pocket, help us out on the cap kind of deals. There'll be a bunch of those, a handful of them uh, going forward here. Uh, let's go around the NFL, though, Steve, and around the NFL is brought to you by Kaleida Health, the official healthcare system of the Buffalo Bills. And we begin, Steve, with uh, <clears throat> I'm going to start here. The NFL coaching carousel, the Cardinals, who are still looking for a head coach, have requested permission to interview Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. As well as defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo. These, to, to our knowledge, are the first interview requests for Bengals' assistance. Despite the fact that there had been five head coaching jobs open, there are now just four, and there very well may soon be only three. The Houston Texans could meet with 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans as soon as today. It's believed he is the favorite to be named the next head coach of the Texans. Meanwhile, Over the weekend, the Dallas Cowboys and O.C. Kellen Moore have mutually decided to part ways. According to reports, this was Moore's request to move on. Jerry Jones let him out of his contract to honor it. And just like that, it looks like he is going to be named the new offensive coordinator of the Los Angeles Chargers. So apparently Kellen Moore has had enough of Dak Prescott. And he wants to work with Justin Herbert instead.
4: You think that's it?
3: I think it's part of it. Like, I think it's part of it. I mean, he was there for four years. I think he had three top ten offenses with Dak Prescott. Now put him with Justin
4: Herbert and see what happens. Do You think it was Dak, or do you think it was the working environment, the way the organization? Probably done? both. Probably a little bit of both. I would say both. I mean, I don't know anything about anything. But about Dak anything. Prescott is a confounding
3: quarterback to work with, is he not? He's either lighting the world on fire, or he's throwing two picks at the worst possible time in a football game. I mean, that's who he is. Yeah. There is no in-between with Dak Prescott. It's not like, oh, you know what? He played pretty well today. It's either, wow, look at that guy, or it's like, oh, my God, look at that guy. Yeah. I mean,
4: that's what he is. Yeah. There is no in-between with Dak Prescott. Yeah, he's a polarizing he is a guy. Ride. He's polarizing, no question. I, we, I, we, I've heard people do this. Where, where do you put it? Give me a comparable starting quarterback in the NFL to Dak Prescott. Is it cousins Somebody right now? Is it cousins? I, I want to believe that
3: Dak, Dak Prescott can do more for you than Kirk Cousins can. Or what about Ryan Tannehill? I is he th- like? I think they're above average, but in different ways. Is he those like two guys? Is he like Kyler Murray? I don't even like Kyler
4: Murray. So that's you I know, think Dak you know Prescott's
3: saying. a better team guy and a better yeah, leader okay, than Kyler about, Murray. I'm ever talking about.
4: I'm talking about if you. If you were going to sit there and have your team take the field,
3: I think he, would, I think Dak Prescott is, there a is slightly difference? better than Kirk Cousins, slightly better. That's that's probably and better than
4: I'm, and better than Kyler Murray then too. Or
3: I'm biased against is Kyler. Is Dak Murray. Prescott
4: more effective now than a 45 year old Tom Brady?
3: Yes, I would say yes. But <laughs> if you can't he live would. with his mistakes. You probably take Brady because he doesn't make as many. I mean, the reason Tom Brady has seven Super Bowls is he doesn't make mistakes. Well, he's he, death yeah. by a thousand cuts, yeah. most efficient quarterback maybe to ever play the football. And that's why he wins. He doesn't win because he's got an unbelievable athletic ability, he wins because he doesn't make mistakes. He knows he knows how to win the game. So
4: you'll take Dak over Tom Brady right now today. I mean, right now he's I, I all believe that. Brady's I all skills are deteriorating. Right. Okay. What about oh, let's go down the list? Aaron Rodgers. You take Dak over Aaron? No. All right. Matthew Stafford healthy. I take
3: Stafford. Yeah, me too. Well, again, I mean, I, this, love this. This I, how, see, I love doing this because this I, is how this
4: is how bad it is. There. I love. That. I think that's why Kellen Moore's like. All I, right. Here's my. Here's the. Seventy thousand dollar question, sixty four thousand dollar question. That's all we're paying. Okay. Every no no other considerations is just to plug one guy in, one guy out Yours, for one year. Are we talking one year, one game, no, just, Career? career. Uh, yeah, just, I'm
3: starting a franchise. Let's say, what let's am say I doing?
4: one off full off season and through the year, see how it goes. Who would go better? Dak Prescott, Russ Wilson.
3: Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I would go. I would take Russell Wilson only because I want to believe last year for Russell Wilson was an aberration, not a trend. Dak Prescott has been this way for the last four
4: years. Right. You know, you say you're Doc, Dak Prescott in the Dallas offense and all that, like we see, is a known commodity. You think the upside on Russell Wilson's better.
3: Because I want to believe last year was dice. an aberration. Okay. Right.
4: That's what I mean. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I,
3: and that's the only reason I'm doing that. <laughs>
4: What about a guy like Justin Fields in a better system, like in a better organization like Dallas? I
3: think you know more about what Dak is. So if you can live with it, you take that, because Fields is still very much an
4: unknown. Okay, what happens if you put Dak Prescott on the New York football Jets? I love this. I just love this. I just absolutely Uh, love this.
3: (laughs) I am going to say if Dak Prescott is on the New York Jets right now, they are a – they are an 11-6 and six football team, and they're really? good enough to make the playoffs. Really? But Dak will kill them in the postseason.
4: So, and then they, yeah, they may win he a playoff. Kill game. kill them say, in like, the postseason. They, so you think they could beat, win the division against the Bills with Dak? No. All right, so they're a wild-card team. Yeah. So if they go on the road, say this year, they get the five seed, they go on the road to Jacksonville, do they beat that team?
3: They might. They might. They could win a playoff game. Yeah. You know? All right. That's about it, though. Yeah. That's interesting. That's I love that. He that's is it. a roller coaster. He is a personification of a roller coaster. So his
4: offensive is, coordinator pulls the ripcord. Yeah, I'm out. Kellen Moore, that's his name. And uh, he gets to work with Justin Herbert instead. Right, I is, mean, woo, I, I'll say this. Talk I, about going to the penthouse. Um, yeah, moving, that's really intriguing I mean, for he me. He is yeah. the Jeffersons.
3: Moving on up.
4: I, I don't know. Herbert? You wouldn't. You wouldn't rather work with Herbert than Prescott? Come on, now. No, that's not the. That's not what I'm talking oh, what about. What are you talking about? I'm talking about going from the Dallas Cowboys, right, to the L.A. slash San Diego No Fan Chargers. Oh, that them of the of yeah. if the Chargers won the Super Bowl, there'd be like six people at the parade.
3: <laughs> that's not true.
4: Six L.A. is as. Front runner as any city in America. Yeah, we saw if that. They won the you're Super right, Bowl. You're right. When the Rams won it, there were 500 people at That's there, right. So there were 500. Yeah. 250 of them were employees and families, <laughs> and the other 250 <laughs> was the vast. I don't know if there's a more front running LA.
3: city than L.A. I get it. It is as front running as you can get.
4: So I'm just saying, if you're Kellen Moore, you're going from a. a building in dallas at the star where absolutely everything's about winning football games in and the biggest problem is probably the owner cares so much he can't keep his hands off it right to a a a team in la that is notoriously poorly led yeah and notoriously cheap they do
3: have two 20 million dollar a year receivers i don't know if we can say that really how okay Things are going to change I'm there really saying, quick. I'm just Tell saying. Kellen Moore is a rival. You can say
4: what you want. It's awesome. It's awesome. He's got uh, Justin Herbert to work with. He's going to be. It's going to great. Everything else is what I'm talking about.
3: Yeah, and very quickly, a head coach that was on the
4: hot seat.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I think
4: that's why you have a new offensive coordinator there. I'm just you know, Yeah. I mean they, you know, they were what they were second in the division with wild card, ten and seven. With that guy. Yep. With the other guy. Okay. All right. That's interesting stuff, though.
3: There, there is more coaching carousel news that we have to get to with you. We saw over the weekend that Vic Fangio was reported to be the next defensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins. Hold on a second. That may not be happening. We'll explain why next. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, this is Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Still uh, spinning our way around the NFL uh, with the coaching carousel in full swing, seemingly more on the assistant coaching front than even the head coaching front. And we saw over the weekend, Steve, I I saw it on the crawl on ESPN, Vic Fangio, former Broncos head coach, Uh, is slated to become the new defensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins. So I was like, oh, all right, that'll be interesting for the division next year. You know, we get into the office today, and people are like, well, hold on a second. That might not be happening. Uh, Michael Silver, formerly of the NFL Network and now a columnist for the San Francisco Chronicle, is reporting that Vic Fangio told him last night, quote, Nothing has been decided on my end. So apparently Silver is reporting that there is a lot of mutual respect between San Francisco 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan and Vic Fangio. Fangio has worked for the Niners before. He was the D.C. under Jim Harbaugh when he was the head coach there. And knowing that D'Amico Ryans, their current defensive coordinator, is probably taking the head coaching job in Houston, he'll suddenly have an opening So the way Michael Silver's painting this, it sounds as though Kyle Shanahan called Vic Fangio and said, Hey, uh, before you take that Dolphins D.C. job, what are your thoughts about working with the number one defense in football next year here in San Francisco? Because I may have an opening for you.
4: Absolutely. And Vic Fangio's like, "Ah, "Yeah, I'll, I'll listen. I mean, yeah. now I mean, look,
3: the the Niners have a bunch of free agents. They're not going to bring
4: all of those guys back next year. Yeah, they got some pretty They got to pay weaknesses. Nick
3: Bosa, which they'll probably do. Right. But they got some other guys that could be walking out the door. Um, But still, that is a better group than the one they've got in Miami. Not that Miami's got a slouch defense. Their defense pretty good and good personnel. But... Fangio, man, I could see him going back to San Francisco in yeah. a second.
4: Usually, and it's funny, not funny, but we talked about it a little bit last week at the end of it. I'm still a proponent of getting the right guy rather than getting the, getting a guy fast. I think the Broncos um, and even the coordinator stuff with the Miami Dolphins, the 49ers, Arizona's, searching for a head coach and they'll have if they get a head coach then they're going to be searching for coordinators as well um uh, i still think it's better to do it slowly and make sure you get the right guy than to go in and say we got to have a guy because we got to start getting our player evaluations together we got to start thinking about the draft we got to start mm-hmm. thinking about our needs free agencies just around the corner don't get caught up in all of that Uh, most of the coaches from the pool that these teams will be hiring from know off the top of their head what they think of most of the guys that are going to be on the free agent market. So it's better to take your time and get the right guy, and I think all these clubs are doing it. Now, Carolina got their guy in Frank Reich, which it's hard to argue with the reasoning behind that. It makes a lot of sense on a lot of levels. Uh, But beyond that, the coordinators – and the head coaches I'm it really seems like this is a very low-key offseason for that stuff yeah really low-key
3: I'm surprised how long it is taking and a little it's bit. probably due in part to the fact that the teams that were still playing heading into championship weekend had defensive and offensive coordinators that were of interest to the clubs looking for new head coaches and maybe that put a in the process in terms of the timeliness of it uh, because you still have four head coaching openings still out there. Frank Reich's the only one that's filled one to this point in Carolina. Um, The other thing in the offseason that now must be dealt with for all the teams that are not still playing, free agency. Cincinnati Bengals have a bunch of key free agents on their roster, including three-quarters of their starting secondary. Both starting safeties, Jesse Bates and Von Bell along with cornerback Eli Apple, everybody's favorite. All free agents, along with starting linebacker Jermaine Pratt, who lined up next to Logan Wilson in that defense at the linebacker position. Samaje Ryan, tight end Hayden Hurst, also free agents. Cincinnati is under the cap to the tune of $44 million in cap space, but some of, a good portion of that money is earmarked for Joe Burrow who's going to be getting a new right. contract and gobble up probably at least three-quarters of that, maybe this is, more.
4: This is his third year he just finished? Mm-hmm. So he is ne- he's going he to be is eligible for an eligible. extension. All right. So, so I wonder, knowing what I do about the Bengals in decades past. It's time to pay up. Not until his fifth year.
3: Well, maybe. They might wait. I don't know how you can with a guy that got you to the AFC title game each of the last two years and yeah, an I AFC title.
4: Because you're not required to.
3: You're not required to, but...
4: I, I mean, how I that's get it. Go.
3: I, mean, any... I mean, in the end, they will pay him. Do you want to pay him $50 million a year now, or do you want to pay him $60 million a year next year? Because the way that quarterback right. money's going up, right. you can either get in at 50 a year this year or probably pay upwards of close to 60 as early give as next him... year at that time. I've
4: heard this bantered around, too, that it might be time for one of these franchises to get their their guy and tie his salary to a percentage of the salary cap.
3: Yeah, that's an interesting way to do it. Um
4: so and and say for instance it's usually been the it's somewhere around 17%, 20% is right about where quarterbacks are falling um percent of a team's salary cap. Percent of a cap. team's salary cap. Yeah. Well and, and and so what it would be is it would help the club because it would Automatically give the guy what he's worth, but also give him cost certainty. And give the team cost give certainty. Give the team cost certainty. Yeah. And, you know, they wouldn't have to hide money. However they wanted to structure it, that's what it would be against the captain. And they
3: know, okay, we're locked in for
4: this percentage going to the
3: quarterback every year. And
4: Burrow being that guy who is, you know, two, I mean, he's, he's headed towards Mahomes' territory – Mahomes been in five AFC Championship games. Remember, he's the one that signed the five hundred million dollar a year deal or five hundred million dollar contract. Contract. So Burrow might be the next guy that they're saying, okay, you know, let's do that. And he might be the guy that gets a percentage rather than a a flat number.
3: Yeah, I just, I don't know that a player agent is going to go for that, especially so soon off the heels of two straight seasons during COVID where the cap went backwards. Does that mean my guy takes a pay cut? Because that ain't going to fly.
4: Oh, if they have another pandemic. Who's to say you you wouldn't? I get you. You know what I mean?
3: That's the only reason I could see a player agent saying, yeah, that's all great, your cost certainty and everything, but I'm not running the risk of my guy getting a pay cut because we have another pandemic.
4: They could also also – do that and then have an insurance policy or something, pay the, the like if difference. the cap goes if the backwards cap goes backwards, if there's another pandemic or something like that, or, you know, a catastrophe of some sort.
3: Yeah. I just don't know how you write that in there and make that, sure the numbers yeah, stay the there same. There are people smarter than me doing well, it. Well, so, obviously. Yeah. That's <laughs> why I'm not doing it. <laughs> there's a it. lot
4: of them. So, but that's, that's one way they could go. Now, obviously for Burrow, he's going to say, what's the percentage first of all. And if they give, you know, if it comes out to be, yep. well, on a, on a $224 million cap, what's like 17% of that? It's 34. Well, it's 44 plus. for 20%. 44 okay. million for so let's 20%. Go, all right, say it's 44 million. Say that's the number. That's about right. But I don't think now, it is. He's going to get more than that. Well, Kyler, here's the Murray.
3: Thing. Kyler Murray got 46 a year. Kyler Murray! What are you going to give Burrow?
4: Well, that's my point is how much are you going to guarantee? Is he going to be a... Twenty percent cut of the salary cap for five years, seven years. Yeah, the jumping off point if I'm Burroughs, people is fifty. We
3: start there. If that guy Kyler Murray is getting forty six,
4: I'm Joe Burrow. It's unbelievable. Yeah, that's true. Like forty six for that guy. I'm Joe Cool. What am I getting? I get it. He could he could stand on the table and say, you know, you need to... Start a, at 50. Yeah, you need... I'm going to stand on this table, and when you stack cash up to my chin, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> he might do that. I mean, that <laughs> Kyler Murray is... a He comes from that baseball background where he just started throwing... It's all about me. He's, yeah, he just... It's all about me. Throw a hissy fit, and I'm not going to do anything until I get what I want. Um, yeah,
3: He's like Maury in Goodfellas. I want my money. Right. I want my, where's my money? Where's
4: my money? And... <laughs> I'll give you the money. Uh, so there it is. I, you're right. Most guys, football players come from a different place, and they know they got to go in the locker room and live with these guys. And
3: Yeah, but when you're also the guy and you've got success on the field in the postseason to back it up, while another guy who doesn't, hasn't won a, what did they win, one playoff game in his career? Tyler no. Murray? No. Did he win one? No. They didn't win one. They, Doesn't have a playoff the highlight victory. of his career was Hale Murray. Yeah. The highlight. That guy's getting 46 a year. There is no way that Burrow is not getting at least 50. And it might get, it might get higher than that. As frugal as Mike Brown wants to be in Cincinnati, you could get somewhere between 52 and 55 a year
4: for Joe Burrow. Here's this. And I get it. Now, Cincinnati may play hardball with him. They may. Fine, it's, I'm just all I, I it's yeah. stupid to do that. Well, but. they did it with Carson Palm. Paul, Carson just said forget. Right. It. Yeah. And, be, and if they and if did that's that get if it got him two ones,
3: got him two ones and no playoff wins. <laughs> they didn't even make the playoffs.
4: Well, when it if you've been following the Cincinnati Bengals back when Mike Brown was doing the day to day instead of his daughter Katie Blackburn they didn't really, yeah. they valued one over the other, and it wasn't the playoff wins that they valued. All right. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to sift through
3: some of the Chiefs' pending free agents to see how their roster could potentially change from this year to next. I know they're in a the Super Bowl. They're always going to be good with Patrick Mahomes at the helm. It'll be interesting to see who could be coming off that roster this coming off season. We'll discuss next here on One Bills Live. All right, so last segment we were talking about how the Bengals roster could change based on some of their free agent decisions that they have to make, including three-fourths of their starting secondary uh, being set to become unrestricted free agents. And we decided to peruse around the Chiefs roster to see what decisions they might have to make in the offseason. I don't think it's as egregious as Cincinnati's. Their left tackle, Orlando Brown, is up. Juju Smith Schuster only signed a one year deal last off season, so he's up. Um and then beyond that, Micole Hardman or McCole Hardman is another guy, starting safety Juan Thornhill. So they've got a handful of players that they have to make a call on. Um so yeah, I, I mean their roster figures to change. To what degree, I don't know. Um I think you could argue of the three power teams in the AFC, which I would call Buffalo City. Old man winter here.
4: If I
1: had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here?
2: Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived.
1: Spring. we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.
2: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois.
3: Cincinnati, Kansas City, right now, Kansas City has the best offensive line, I believe, of the group, and understandably so. They invested giant money in it. Orlando Brown, you know, they acquire via trade. Joe Tooney, they pay top-of-the-market money for him as the top guard on the free agent market. Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey's a first-round draft choice, their center. So, yeah, they've they've right. invested, so it should be uh, the best offensive line of those three, and I think it is. How much does that change with Orlando Brown, their left tackle, now a free agent? We'll have to see. Maybe they go back in the draft and get another lineman, um, like they did Creed Humphrey, but... Yeah, I think the Bills are going to have to address their offensive line in short order uh, this offseason because, you know, they had a lot of veterans on one-year contracts. Most of those players of the backup variety. Saffold's a free agent. Uh, You may have to figure out some contracts, uh, you know, with Mitch Morris and Deion Dawkins who have big money deals. You know, Spencer Brown. Ryan Bates is kind of locked into his deal. He's only entering year two of a four-year deal, which is – relatively cost-effective, and Spencer Brown's still on his rookie deal. So, really, it's Morris and Dawkins that you may have to go hat in hand to and come up with some solutions. I mean, I thought, for my money, Morris was the most consistent lineman of the group all season long. Um,
4: Was he – did he miss any time this year? Missed a game? One game, was it? Yeah. Or did he come out of a game and come back in the next week? I'm going to have to double-check. I
3: want to say he missed one game um, and came out of one or two others. Oh, I think
4: you're right. I think Bates did go to center. Yeah,
3: and Van Roten went in for him in the Titans game in week two, I want to say. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he missed parts of some games. Did he miss his – might have missed one start. I'm not going to remember that off the top of my head. But for my money, I thought he was the most consistent lineman of the five, the starting five anyway. Bates had a good season – Um, kind of tailed off a little at the end, you know, he wasn't outstanding by any means, but he was serviceable. Dawkins had some good weeks and then he had some other weeks where I think even he would tell you he didn't play up to his standard. So, you know, and Saffold was kind of a mixed bag and, you know, Spencer Brown had his good days and his not so good days. It just seemed there were some games where it wasn't a question of ability with Spencer, I just felt there were sometimes he just didn't read the play. Like, oh, here comes the nickel corner off the side. I got to go get him and, you know, not recognizing things quickly enough. Yeah. Diagnosing and that kind of thing.
4: Yeah. I've, it's been taught to me by my own observations and what, talking to coach and everything. And everybody says it. And then they have trouble executing the idea that it all starts up front. For all these football teams, the guys with the best offensive and defensive lines get the most out of their skill players. Yeah, um, that's it. It's that simple. Um, the problem is this: uh, as I've said before, it's those guys don't grow on trees. They're different physically. They're big and they're athletic. And just because you know, they'll have big guys who will get chance after chance, but they're just not athletic enough or strong enough to be a great player. You spend your whole life looking for those guys because there's never enough of them. You got thirty two teams, each of them have five of those guys that they'd really depend on and go actually go eight. So you're talking about two hundred and fifty guys or so across the league that you need to be genetically different. You know, Spencer Brown, six eight. You know, Greg Rousseau, six seven.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Guys like that. Uh, and they, you know, those guys walk around. Those guys are kind of more long and lean. Then you got guys like the guys I played with, like Ted Washington or Fletcher Cox, uh, who are well over three hundred bills, three hundred pounds, and pff, they can run. You can't find those guys. Right. The biggest person you know you've ever met isn't usually for most people isn't big enough or strong enough or athletic enough to play in the NFL. You don't ever You've probably never met one of those guys. They're they're hard to find, so there's not enough of them to go around. I had I had executives back in my day. We're talking about expansion, you know, when it was when in '90s when Jacksonville and Carolina Carolina come into the league. I was talking about so what you know, how much are they going to go? How how you know because keep going? I mean, they're going to put teams. We were talking back then about London, England, and Madrid and Berlin, teams like this. You know, we're going to American Bulls. We talk about such things, and at that time. The guy that I was talking to was like this. He's like, "Nah, I don't. We're not gonna do. We, we won't be able to do it." I go, mean, "Why not? You <laughs> don't have enough. There ain't enough players." Well, Eric, some, all, yeah. Eric Wood talks about it
3: all the time. The state of offensive lines in this league is at an all-time low in terms of talent across the board, and about half the league has average to substandard offensive lines because, as you said, there aren't enough
4: good ones. To go around,
3: yeah. And they, so you patch listen, it
4: together every year. They keep track of all these guys coming out of Power Five schools, all the guys coming out of uh, Division One schools, Division Two schools, Division Three. They know where all those big guys are. They look at them because they're trying to find them, and you've got to be you got to you got to be able to do some things athletically. They can't just because you're big, don't cut it. Yeah, and I've sure. seen it for decades. And he's, he said well, listen, we can't expand too far cuz there enough guys to go around. We don't have any good players. Plus, he goes, what happens is we expand to say what are, you know, picking up 40 teams. Oof. And you got them in you've got them in, you know, Mexico City and all these places, you know, whatever, pick your cities. He goes he goes the the level of play is going to start to decline yeah. because there aren't enough really good football players to fit out those teams. We're talking about 40 new starting
3: offensive linemen. For eight teams, you have to find forty starting caliber linemen yeah. for those four, those eight teams, and this the team, Not, the let 30, alone
4: backups. The thirty-two the, teams now are looking for
3: guys. Yeah, yeah. All right, we got to take a break because when we come back, hour number two will be kicked off with Boston Globe senior NFL reporter Ben Volen joining the show. He's going to talk about some of the things he's looking at with respect to the Super Bowl matchup coming up here in a couple of weeks, as well as. Some of the developments going on in New England. They have a new O.C. up there, a new old O.C. What does that mean for Mac Jones? We'll discuss all of that with Ben Volin next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collada Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio.
1: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.